Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. Hey, Owl Pellets. This is Brian and Marshall uh, here by the Owl Pellet. We are without Kate Shoulders. So who will we pick on today? We have no idea. This we may we may both actually be on our best behavior. The most professional Owl Pellets episode ever. While Marshall and I be are on our best behavior. But we have with us today Dr. Gaya Hawk from Kansas State University. Gaya, welcome to Owl Pellets. Thank you. It's great to be here, and I'll try to bring some comic relief <laughs> so that your listeners enjoy this podcast today. It'll be great. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, that's about all we are anymore. I'm not sure. Hopefully, if they learn something from this podcast, it's completely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... There in beautiful Manhattan, Kansas, at Kansas State University, you have you have done some great work here with um, Eric, and I should have asked you to help me pronounce his last name before we got started recording. What is it? How do you say Eric's last name? I say it Colmus, and that's I think that's the way it's supposed to be said. Colmus. There we go. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the the work that a little bit about yourself, and then a little bit about the work that you and Eric did that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks for having me on. It's exciting to share Eric's work. Um, first of all, I'm a state alum and I taught in Kansas for six years before leaving the state for seven. And whenever I got hired back into the state, one of the roles I assumed was being the superintendent of the agri FFA agri-science fair. And Eric is an uh, undergraduate student of ours who um, is from Iowa and competed in this event at, in high school. And whenever I showed up and got to meet him and we started talking, we... Um, found that maybe there's an undergraduate research project here for him to help me be a better uh, FFA Agri-Science Fair superintendent, help our teachers and our students in the state develop some skills. So he and I worked on this project that I'm excited to share with you all today. Very cool. I just had this realization midway through while you're talking about this. Everybody on this call has been the state superintendent or run the state coordinator for their Agri-Science Fair. Because Marshall, you do it in Oklahoma, right? Yep. I used to do it in Florida until we passed that on to Andrew Thorne, but I did it for several years and then did the national one. And Kate Shoulders does it for Arkansas. So really? there's a lot of agri-science fair love going on here in Owl Pellets that we talked about here today. It's also called Nerd Alert, Nerd Alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to couch it, Brian, but yeah. I think we know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So way, way to bring it down to reality, Marshall, from here. Yeah, so. you're welcome. Well, you know, as, if teachers are listening to this, I think they're in for a real treat today because 
Um, you know how we talk about research? It's, it's, if it stays in research land, sometimes it's just hard. It's just hard to read and it's just bulky. But this is like very practical. Like if I'm an ag teacher and I'm taking kiddos to the agri-science fair and trying to get kids involved, man, there is some, Gaia has some amazing practical advice for ag teachers. So I think that they're in for a treat in this short little chunk of time because as an ag, my ag teacher hat is going crazy over, you know, seeing things in this research that I've seen in the field um, and some suggestions on how to fix them. So I'm pumped. Yeah. It's really cool because I think a lot of folks are trying to, to really grow agri-science fairs around and this is very timely stuff um, and, and see this kind of growth. So with that buildup and anticipation, Gaya, tell us what were some of the key things you guys found that could share with ag teachers? Yeah, uh, I in what I would love to give credit to is that the ag teachers are the ones that gave us these this information. They're the ones that came back and answered our questions. So Eric and I distributed a survey to the Kansas ag teachers and in our state, the AgriScience Fair hasn't really been uh, well, um, well done in terms of participation and, and the types of projects that are being brought. You know, we were averaging 10 to 12 projects coming every year. And so we just wanted to know what is happening and why aren't you showing up? Like, are you doing this type of research in your projects and your programs, but you're just not bringing those projects to the state competition and so we don't know about them? So he sent out a survey and he asked a bunch of questions, but the questions we're going to focus on today are what were those barriers? What, what is keeping you from participating? So I'm sure as ag teachers listen to this today, they're going to be like, yep, that's me. That's what's happening in my program. So we really looked at um, two main things is the first one was why aren't they participating? Are they doing it at home? What's happening? And so as to, to no shock to anyone, one of the very top things that we found was just a lack of time. Yeah. And I'm sure all the ag teachers are sitting here going, yep, that's me. I just don't have time. They don't have time to teach it, to facilitate the research, to collect the data, to write the results, to get the kid to show up to the competition to actually present their work. And so, you know, teachers, they just talked about how much more time they perceive this type of event is going to take in their program. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one of the, the common things we talk a lot about here is managing a, a night teacher's time. And with this particular event, it's like, it's not like you're training a team, you're training each individual person or a, most a team of two of their projects and needs. And so um, a lot of ideas here about how you can integrate that into your program and make it part of, of your everyday rather than something special. Yeah, so um, to talk, we'll talk about the barriers. We also asked them, what are ways that we can increase participation? And you mentioned it there about working it into the curriculum. And Kansas is a case state, the curriculum for ag science education. Um, so we have teachers who are already teaching some curriculum that would be easy to put a research science, uh, uh, a scientific pro pro uh, problem into their course to have the students research that and to develop their projects. But as you mentioned, um, Brian, it's hard when it's one student or a team of two and you might have, you know, 10 to 12 different projects going on and how do you manage that? So yes, that was one, that was the top concern. The perceived barrier was just lack of time. 
Well, I think so many people too come in and, you know, the last time they did a science, when you talk about the word science fair project, they think about what they did in like sixth grade mm -hmm. when they were beaten into submission to doing a, a science fair projects. And, and, you know, even as a parent of a kid who just finished the sixth grade, you get cold shivers just down your spine when you think about having to do that project and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of challenges there. Yeah. The second barrier was actually getting students excited and motivated to do the project. So for the listeners that are out there that have children that are doing these, just like you mentioned, like now you've got to get involved and try to get your student to do it. And I watch a lot of movies, way too many movies, but there was just a movie the other day where the, the intern, the, like the assistant was doing the science fair project for the guy's kid. <laughs> like it's just one of those things that even in popular it's culture, idea. <laughs> yeah, we don't, you know, it's just a struggle to get students motivated. And how do you get them motivated to do this independent project? Well, and you know, for me, as a as an ag teacher, when you were trying to manage 5,000 different things going on at once, um, at times, if the entire class, as long as they were manageable, if you could put together a project like the AgriScience Fair, it was one of those um, kind of curriculums in your back pocket. If everybody kind of had a project and they were working on that, on the days that I did not have, maybe on the days I had a lot of other things I was trying to work through, um, and students always had the ability to make progress on their agri-science fair project independently. Mm -hmm. you know. The other thing I see on some of these barriers is this motivation issue. I've seen, I did a study a while back, um, and we found the ag teacher feeling the pressure to provide the students all the topics. And that um. gets overwhelming. Like, yeah. how do I come up with a new topic every year? Mm -hmm. What we kind of figured out was if you take a Mythbusters approach and you really kind of step away from trying to win the agri-science fair and you really just say, you know, at your university, people are doing research to solve state problems in ag. So what problems do you see around you? Mm -hmm. So like in Oklahoma, students are seeing pump jacks go up everywhere and these large pads of caliche and lots of students have natural questions about how do they reclaim that farmland once the drilling is done? Well, that's an easy question. Um, grow plants in caliche infused soil and see what happens. And, you know, so I think if you can connect the kids to problems in their town, instead of having to come up with all the problems, you can just go look around and say, uh, what problems do you see out there? Yeah, and then it's student interest, interest, you know, and that intrinsic motivation. But Marshall, you hit on kind of the third one, the third barrier we found was that teachers felt a lack of experience. Mm. And just like you saying, they, they don't know how to come up with these topics every year. Well, that's not really what you're needing to do. But if you don't even feel like you can come up with some topic ideas to assist your students, then you're not going to push them toward it. And I think that goes for a lot of ag teachers and a lot of programs is that they may not be taking advantage of certain things because they don't know how to get their students into those programs. I think about proficiency awards and in Kansas, it's a big deal. But in the previous state I worked in, we might have one or two students apply for all of those proficiency award areas because the teachers didn't know how to go about getting into the application process which is really sad for the students losing out on the opportunity to showcase their work. And, and so this lack of experience getting students engaged with agri-science research and the fair itself was a barrier that my teachers identified. 
did you guys find anything in, in what you looked at on the paperwork side of the agri-science fair? I mean, one of the, just by running the fair here in Florida for a while, then nationally talking to teachers, just, just the, the act of having to write a report turned mm -hmm. so many students off. I mean, students would go through and they would do the work, design a great experiment. They would even do a great poster if you wanted them to. But to sit down and actually write the report that goes with it, you might as well have been putting bamboo shoots up their fingernails because they just weren't going to do it. So any, any insight from, that you guys have for that? Well, I don't have a direct quote in front of me, but somebody talked about, you know, APA writing a report. Actually, you know, the posters is also, they, they don't realize it's a big PowerPoint. And so I developed a template that had it be to the right dimensions and sent it out, um, how to get it printed, those trying to remove some of those barriers from teachers um, in terms of that after they do the good work, how can we then show it? Um, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but for like five years now, I've put in to do a uh, workshop at NAAE at the national meeting about APA and it still has not got accepted. So maybe after this goes <laughs> out viral, teachers, because it's one of those things that it shouldn't be a barrier, right. but it's perceived as a big barrier is to write that report. Right. And one of the complaints I'll hear from my ag teachers is that their English teachers are teaching MLA. They're not teaching APA, but really it's not that different. And if they could just get it into a, a, you know, a format that's close and cite their sources and not plagiarize, then it's, it's going to be okay. Like, well, and that's a big one. I hear a lot of people that either they accidentally plagiarize everything or they hear about plagiarism and then they're so scared to death to write anything down yeah. that they're like, how do I do this without plagiarizing? So we've, we've, we've beaten them into uh, being so scared to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it makes, you know, one thing I think about is um, Gaia and myself and Jeremy Falk at University of Idaho, you know, as I look at some of these ways to increase participation, the universities have so many resources. And, you know, one of the barriers was talking about, I don't have the equipment to do this in-depth research. And that's true. I mean, to do some of this research to, to you know, solve state problems, it requires a lot of, of expertise. But, you know, the three of us are working on a grant that tries to connect ag teachers to their local experiment stations. And, you know, you've got experiment stations all over the state. Um, so building relationships with and connecting with those scientists through your land grant system is a really great way. You know, in Oklahoma, we've got a soil erosion center in a certain town in a certain area of Oklahoma where their entire focus is um, soil erosion in Oklahoma. And so if you had a question about that and you knew those folks, you could connect and they might be able to send you uh, um, some of the equipment or let you come down for a day and run the experiments. And the cool thing is that, you know, the whole reason we do agri-science fair is to expose kiddos to careers. I mean, the point is to try to build agricultural scientists, which is really the most sought after career right now. So getting them in it, you know, exposed to those scientists would also maybe build some interest man, I didn't know that job existed. I could work in an experiment station and just mm -hmm. research wheat as a living. You know, that's a great gig. Well, I think it's a great point there, Marshall, that it's about getting students into the labs because, and I think so often you think you have to be in a university town to do that, but 
you know, I, I think all of our universities, we, we have these research centers out throughout the state. And, you know, most people, in, at least in Florida, we have 13 of these. You're no more than 45 minutes away from probably one of these research stations, unless you're way down, you live in the, with the alligators in the Everglades. Um, and so you can get out there and these, these scientists want to bring you into the labs. You can actually see what does what a real science do? What does a real lab do? And the other thing, it ha helps the teacher because the teacher doesn't, doesn't have to do all this kind of stuff. If you kind of, I don't want to say farm these kids out to people, but you, you give, you help them make these connections to help lighten your load as the ag teacher a little bit. Well, in, in communicating that they could go and help with a, a wheat trial that's already going on and just give them one little section of it, mm -hmm. teach them how you collect the data, how you replicate it, the types of tests that you're going to run, the type of data you're going to collect, like that type of knowledge transfer is really important because you're right, Marshall, we just, we're really just trying to expose these kids to all of the awesome possibilities that lay in front of them in terms of being an agri-science researcher, a scientist. And we desperately need more people to go into that career field in, in all disciplines because we're all, we all work together to, to solve our, you know, the grand challenges, the big challenges. Mm -hmm. And so getting them exposed and, and kind of lighting that fire that'll, that'll get, keep them motivated, I think is in key piece of this exposure to, to research. I think that's a part of it too. Now, I just realized we kind of glossed over this because I think we realize all of us are, have a bias toward agri-science fair and see the value, but what, what, what should the, what's the purpose of the agri-science fair? What, what good does it do? And, you know, why should a teacher even worry about doing this with everything else that they've got going on? Well, for me, who never had students compete and I didn't compete as a student, I don't know exactly what year it started. Um, I see the value. She looked at me and says, I don't know what year it started. I'm like, did Brian have a science fair project? Uh, <laughs> um, but getting them to where they are able to communicate their science, communicate what they did to others, and also pick up ideas from each other. I've judged at the national event and it is awesome. I mean, you want to, I feel good about the future of our country and about our world after talking to those young people. And that's what keeps me, you know, engaged and motivated and pushing me forward to try to have a little piece of um, work that I can do to, to benefit teachers and eventually their students. So one thing interesting to me about your research, Gaia, is it seems to be that we are um, accidentally kind of restrictive just by nature. Um, if, if students just, if the student has to want to be in the agri-science fair, it's obvious that we have some disparities in who is able to participate and who does not. So talk to me about like, what did you find, you know, who are the typical students that are able to be successful in the agri-science fair and who are we missing and how can we narrow that gap? Mm -hmm. So, you know, typical students that I've seen and anecdotally and in on my research are people who have connections to the university or to other, you know, private, com private companies that are doing research that their parents are engaged. Um, the ag teacher might've came out of industry and gets it. Um, I won't, you know, I could give shout outs to some of the Kansas teachers that are doing a good job with this 
And one of them was a transition to teach teacher who she was in extension for many years. And so she kind of knew about how to do some of those research projects and, and why it was important. And then another teacher who left our state um, but is teaching, going to be teaching in Nebraska next year, she made it a capstone project for all of her students. Like she just knew that it was important and pushed them to do this research. So I think, it, you know, with many events in um, FFA, it, it just comes back to the ag teacher offering it as an opportunity. And it breaks my heart every time a student says, oh, I didn't know about that event, whichever event it is. And I realize that ag teachers can't do it all. You have to be able to select and, and decide what to do. But this is an event that has some real strong education and academic merit to it. Um, and you wanna talk about influencing careers and really preparing our students to go all and be successful after high school. I think this is an event that we need to spend a little more time and intention on. Well, I think it's a CDE problem that is everywhere. Like, I think for me as an ag teacher, it was really easy to find the fun, engaged, really active people, and they easily could become involved in CDEs. But this study really made me think, you know, who are the kiddos kind of on the fringe? Because the agri-science fair is one of those things that a kiddo on the fringe if you have a greenhouse and you could set them up with a few plants, this is a place they could really be successful and get their feet wet. Mm -hmm. um, they get to practice a little public speaking. They get to practice agri-science, um, science development. They get to be exposed to ag. You know, I see this. I, I probably missed this opportunity, and I, I kind of see that now reading your, reading your study. I think it's a great, great way to summarize this, Marshall, is that this gives the ag teacher, this gives us an opportunity to, to engage those students that may not be engaged in, in the other activities that we're doing. And just as you said, Gabe, ag teachers can't do everything, but we need to kind of be strategic in making sure that we're offering a, a menu of things for our students mm -hmm. rather than all for the same kids. Because we talked about here several times, every student, every day, every classroom, that we want these students to, to be engaged. And so this is a great opportunity to do this. So to, to kind of wrap all this up together, we talked a lot about barriers. We talked a lot about benefits to these things. What are two or three key ideas or suggestions that you can give ag teachers to say, hey, I want to either increase my agri-science fair participation this year. Or I want to start doing it with one or two. What, what, are kind of, what are some first steps that, that an ag teacher could do to help in, uh, involved in this? Well, one of the things that some states do, they might have a poultry chain or a poultry project. And that's an easy one. Your whole class could be doing it, but you could set up these trials to be smaller so that students are feeding, you know, one or two tubs of chicks one way, and they're collecting data on that, and then that's their project for the agri-science fair. But everybody in the class is doing the feeding. They're just doing it a little bit differently from each other. And so there's ways that you can, in, you know, engage the whole class while at the same time doing individual or team projects. I mean, it's no different than assigning students, and, and I'm sorry, ag teachers, for saying this, assigning them a breed of cattle to research and to present to their classmates. Mm -hmm. If I have to sit through another student teacher who's had their students do that, I mean, it's just one of those things that I know we all do it. It's fine. We need to teach them the breeds of cattle. But you assign your whole class something and then each individual student has their own topic to research and to develop. Um, I think also partnering with science 
your science teachers, your science departments. It's a missed opportunity if you're not figuring out ways that you could work with them to do science fair projects, but just have them be agriculturally focused or with an agriculture tent to them. Um, so those are two things that I thought of and that those, the teachers, you know, obviously they want training. They need professional development on this. They need support. Um, those of us that run the event or used to run the events, you know, just need to be willing to answer questions and assist along the way. Yeah. Those are all great ideas to go out there to, like I said, make that part of what we're trying to do. Don't try to create another thing to do, build it into what's already happened in the classroom, get those students involved. Those partnerships with science teachers, university folks, extension, mm -hmm. everybody's got an extension system somewhere in their county to do that and state to find that's a great way to partner to do that. Again, like we said, I think all of us here have a bias toward agri-science fair. I think it's a great event that has a, a lot of application to our students. It reaches out to maybe students that don't get engaged in other aspects of, of FFA and I get and or they might. Um, but this is a, a, a program that needs to continue to grow. Some states have seen growth, some have gone up and down. How do we continue to provide great opportunities for here? So Dr. Gaya Hawk from Kansas State University, thank you so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thanks for having me, this is fun. Great, all right folks, check out the, uh, <laughs> there you go. Check out the, uh, the, the paper, check out the infographic. And here's the challenge to everybody on Owl Pellets to have at least one or one more student in the agri-science fair in your home state. Tell us how it goes. Um, talk to us on Owl Pellets and uh, share your, your input and advice on there. And also another great resource is the Ag Ed Discussion Lab. There's a lot of questions on there. I know there's a string on there that talks about agri-science fair projects that can be helpful as well. So for the absent Kate Shoulders, this is Brian Myers, Marshall Baker, here by the Owl Pellet with Gaya Hawk. You all have a great day. We appreciate what you do, Ag Teachers. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.